been talking about the last few weeks about destination life, that each and every one of us have arrived at the place that we are at because of the choices that we have made in life. And so we've been looking at the book of Jonah, and so I'm going to ask you this morning to take your Bibles, turn to the Old Testament book of Jonah, if you would. And as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses this morning that are joining with us. We're excited about this day that God has given us the opportunity to gather together, not only here, uh, but across the U.S., to see what God is up to as He speaks to us corporately as well as individual churches today. And so I'm believing that God's going to minister to you, touch your life, even as I preach here, that the Word of God is going to go forth. And the Bible says that God's Word will not return void. The book of Jonah, the third chapter, says this, Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. How many of you are glad God speaks twice sometimes? How many of you are thankful that he doesn't just tell you once, that, he, that he'll restate his motives and he'll restate what he wants you to do? Now, remember, we began this whole journey about God showing up in a guy's name Jonah in his life and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Uh, Jonah says, that's really a rough place. It's really a place I don't care anything about going to. And uh, the Bible says he boarded a ship and began to go towards a place called Tarshish. While he is going there, uh, a great storm arises. Uh, long story short, he said, if you'll throw me overboard, God will cease the storm. He gets thrown overboard. The Scripture says God prepare, prepared a fish. The fish swallowed him. And in that moment, he had a real whale of an experience. Come on, work with me. And, and when, you, when you begin to understand that, we talked the first week about how that, that you know, you can run but you can't hide and, and, and that whole process there. And then the Scripture says that, that while he was in the belly of this fish, he began to cry out to God. He began to talk to God all over again. And he made some declarations to God. He told God, I'm going to sacrifice praise to you. I'm going to honor the vow that I've made to you. And, and so then the end of chapter 2 uh, ends with this kind of a scenario. And I'll just quote it to you uh, so that, you know, you'll understand. It said, and, and God spoke to the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah up on dry land. Now, get the picture. Let me just break it down for you a minute. It wasn't a pretty sight. Come on, you ever, I don't want to go there. But I want to tell you, when, when that happens, it's not pretty. Jonah's been in the, in the fish's belly for three days. Uh, his clothes are half eaten away because of the gastric juices. His hair, if he's got any left by this point, is totally bleached white. His skin's pigmentation has been all, it's a, it's a mess. He's got seaweed all over him. And the scripture says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I am so glad that God does not need me to be perfect to speak to me again. A second time. In his mess. In his place that he really would not have been on the front of any magazine as a model. It's not, you know, the latest fashion trend that he is wearing at this moment. And yet the Scripture says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. 
I want to talk to you today about second chances. That in your life that you have been given more than one chance. And with God, God gives you more than one chance. And I don't know if, if you understand that yet or not, but I want to tell you, I am so thankful that God didn't just tell me one time. I am glad in my life that there were those circumstances and those things that happened to me and those things that I went through that when, when I approached them and God said, do this, I said, no, I think I want to go that way and I want to do my own thing my own way. And yet, even in the midst of that, even in the midst of the mess that I made, God still spoke again. God still showed up in my life again. I, I, I recently uh, was looking at, uh, now I'm not a twit nor a twitterer, but I can look at Twitter. And, and, um, and so I, I just, I saw, what, what are people saying about second chances? So I just, I went on Twitter and, and here's, what it's, here's what some people said. Now, this person, their tagline was Neo-Christian. It said, don't look back thinking of a second chance. Look ahead and start a new chance. Now, that's pretty good, isn't it? I'll wait for a response. <laughs> Lovely Shaw said this, What's the point in second chances when people will never change? I think Lovely has been hurt. Amelita said, If people know they have a second chance, they will not be careful with their actions. It's human nature. Are you picking up some things here? Mocahana said, not, I'm just telling you what it says. Mocahontas. I think I'd have a better, anyway. Second chances doesn't always mean a happy ending. You think some of these people have been wounded? Jim Jen said, wish I would have been able to take advantage of second chances like Michael Vick has. <laughs> Come on, that's what it's about. Blue Sky Jay said this, second chances are blessings from above. Now, I want to tell you, in your life, you need second chances you need third chances, you need 58th chances, you need 4,928th chances. Every person listening to me today has not been perfect. Jonah is a prophet of God, and God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, don't want to. God says, okay, I'll give you another chance, but you're not going to like it. Now, here's what I found out about God. God just keeps giving the test until you pass it. It's not like school where you get pass or fail. God just says, no, 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 you just learned another way not to do it. I'm just giving you another opportunity to learn how to over, I mean, that's, that's just the way God is. That's just the way God works uh, in, in our lives. And so he just keeps bringing it back. And, and I, I would dare say if you were to have asked Jonah at this point, hey, Jonah, do you want to do it God's way or your way? What do you think he'd say? I'll do God's way. My way is hard. 
Do you know the Bible says that the way of tr the transgressor is hard? But if you do what God says, God will bless you. God will lead you. God will take you forward into every aspect that he has for us. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes today is, is I want to kind of unpack uh, the next few verses here and to show you why, why do you go through this? Why does God give us these second chances? So would you take your Bibles and look there uh, as we kind of do this together? Look in verse 2. Now, verse 1 says, the word of God came to Jonah a second time, and here's what he said. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. In other words, it took Jonah three days just to walk throughout the city and preach what God had given him. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Why does God give Jonah a second chance? Why does God give you and I another chance? I think that the first reason that he gives us another chance is so that we can fulfill our purpose in life. Now, now let me tell you something. Everything that God creates has a purpose. There's nothing in the creation that doesn't have a purpose. Now, there are some things that I don't understand why they're there. You know, like mosquitoes, gnats. I mean, I've got a list of things when I get to heaven. I'm going to say, now, Lord, why, what was the purpose of those things? But, you know, there, there's a reason that they are there. And, and when, when you begin to look at mankind, when you begin to look at God's highest creation, which is humanity, the Bible says that when God got ready to create man, that he, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, and he breathed into man the breath of living life, and man became a living soul. And the Scripture says that you were created in the image and in the likeness of God. That's why I don't believe in evolution. I, I, I don't believe I descended from, you know, the primordial ooze of uh, an amoeba that began to form in a swamp, you know, a gazillion years ago and oozed up as a snail onto the seashore that became a chicken that became a monkey that his tail fell off and whoop, here we are. That may be how some of you got here. I don't know, but I was created. I... <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. I was created in the image and the likeness of God, and therefore I have a purpose. And I want to tell you something about purpose. When you are born with a purpose, when you find out what that purpose is, life becomes fulfilling. Now, listen, you can use something for the wrong purpose. I mean, I, I can take one of these microphone stands are made to hold microphones. But I can take one of these microphone stands and I can throw it out in the crowd and knock somebody out. I could. Not going to, but I could. And all of a sudden, what the, the purpose of it is, is being used in an illegal way. That, that's why God has set some parameters in your life. That's why God has told you how to live and how, how to conduct your life and, and what things you need to do. That, that's why God says don't, don't take substances into your body that will destroy your body because I've created your body for a purpose. Right? And, and if you've ever been around somebody who's addicted to a substance, you'll find out all of a sudden that the purpose of that person gets turned upside down. 
No longer is their purpose to live life and to have abundance and all the things that God says. All of a sudden, the only purpose of life is, can I get another hit? Can, can I find another dealer on another street to buy another whatever? And, and that's, that's all. I, why? Because the purpose has been perverted. In our lives as human beings, we find ourselves perverting the purpose of God. You know, let, let me, I, and I want to be careful because there are some children in here, but, but I want to tell you, God is the one who created sex. I know that shocks some Christians. It was his idea, not yours. I know some of you thought you invented it. God is the one who originated it. But what we have done is we've turned it upside down. God said, here's what I want you to do. One man, one woman for life, live that way. You know what? I don't ever have to worry about, am I going to have AIDS? I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about, it. am I going to get a sexually transmitted disease? Why? Because I've been married to the same woman uh, for over 30 years, and we live the life that God's called us to live. I don't, I, don't, I don't go every six months to be tested to see whether or not I picked up something. Boy, I'm messing in some of your worlds, aren't I? All right? Why? Because we want to pervert it. We want to say, I can sleep with whoever I want to. I can do whatever I want to. I can live however I want to. And God says, no, no, no. I have a purpose for sexual relations, and that is the fulfillment of a man and a woman in a covenant relationship. And if you are in that covenant relationship, it is wonderful. If you are outside of that covenant relationship, you have turned the purpose upside down. But God has a purpose. There is a purpose for everything. God's purpose brings fulfillment. When you understand what you are called to do, what your purpose is in life, then you find yourself living an abundant life. Have you ever met any people that, that are just dissatisfied with everything? I mean, I, I can see people walk in sometime and I go, I'm not going to ask them how they're doing. Well, Pastor, you, you ought to care. I do. <laughs> but I got to preach to, you know, a lot of people, and, and, and at that moment, I can just tell. I mean, they, they're, they're disgruntled, they're disgusted, they're upset. You know, somebody's taking their play pretty. I mean, something has happened in their life. And, and what I found with people who, who are perpetually in that state is that they have never found out what their purpose in life is all about. Now, let me tell you something. Your purpose is not just to make millions of dollars. Now, you can make millions of dollars and that be helping fulfill the purpose, but that's not the purpose. Your purpose is not to have, you know, 15 degrees and letters behind your name that stretch on for a week. Now, that may be helping fulfill the purpose, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of life, the purpose of Jonah's life, the purpose of my life and your life is something that is going to have eternal dividends. If I make millions of dollars, but the day that I die, those millions have not impacted anybody for the kingdom of God, then I have lived a fool's life. Now, here's what I find a lot. People look at me and they say, well, you're a preacher, and, and, and so it's easy for you to, to know your purpose, and that's true. 
You know, my purpose in life is uh, to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. (laughs) And I spend a lot of time doing that. But I know what my call. My calling is to stand before congregations and preach to them and encourage them and motivate them and, and get them to live up to everything that God has for them. That's probably not what the majority of you who are listening to me today are called to do. But I want to tell you, every person listening today, you have a purpose in life that transcends the 70, 80, 90 years you're going to live on this earth. And the sooner you find it, the better off your life is going to be. See, here's what I found. God has a place and a time for everybody. There's a place that you are supposed to be. And when you get in that place and the right time, that's where purpose comes together. You know, people, have you ever met people who always are talking about their regrets? Well, I wish I had. I wish I could have if I only had done Come on, that's why you get the next chance. That's why God's Word says that His mercies are new every morning. Every morning, His mercies show up so that you can start the day off with another chance to fulfill the purpose that He's called you to. Look in verse 5. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. I mean, Jonah just shows up, and and listen to what Jonah says. Jonah just says, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. You know, I heard that preached for years, that Jonah showed up, and and he started preaching, repent, or God's going to destroy you. Jonah didn't say repent. In fact, Jonah gets mad because they do repent. I mean, Jonah just wants God to kill them. Come on, you know you've got a few people in mind right then. I mean, you, you, you wouldn't show them and say, repent, God's going to save you. you. You just want to show them and say, 40 days, God's taking you out. And that's what Jonah's doing. I mean, Jonah's just saying, 40 days, it's over. And, and the people of Nineveh be, begin to cry out to the Lord. The, the second reason that God gives you a second chance, not only is for you to find your purpose, but secondly, it's to help others. It's so that you can be a help to somebody else. Here's what I found through the years. People are important to God. Now, I I know that sounds real elementary, but I found out, especially in the church, we have a hard time with that. We, We think it's more about structure and rules and regulations and what you wear and what kind of house you live in, and boy, it gets quiet. And yet I find that Jesus came to people. He didn't come to institutions. He didn't come to buildings. You know what? I I love nice buildings, but buildings are really not that important. The only importance that buildings serve is to bring people into really is. So so when, when we gather together as the people of God, that's what's important. And, and when, you, when you read this passage here, Jonah just preached a message of condemnation, and the Word of God says they repent. Now, here's what that tells me. God is already at work before you ever get there. 
Now, now let me clue you in on something. There is something that each and every one of us are called to do that nobody else can do. You're the only one that can do it. That's how important you are. You know, I've been around church all my life, and there was kind of this mentality in the church that we were just a bunch of nobodies, just, you know, poor old sinners. We're just a worm. You may be a worm. I'm not. You know, well, Lord, no, no, no. Listen, you are important not just for who you are, but for who God has put into your life. There are people that you can impact that nobody else can. Jonah was specifically chosen of God to go to Nineveh, nobody else. And as Jonah gets there, God has already prepared the people. I wonder today, who is it that God has already prepared that you haven't gotten to yet? Do you realize how vitally important we are? I mean, we, we really are important. Our purpose in life is important. Now, there are times that God will give you an assignment, and I want to tell you, God's assignments can be difficult, and they can require some risk. The old saying is, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right? But when you do what God's called you to do, it will have a lasting impact on someone. Think about, think about the mom who feels so overwhelmed and so forgotten, but who daily rocks the baby, and the baby grows up to be Moses. If you were to ask his mother, how important is your job? When he's three and four years old, she might have thought it wasn't very important. She's just kind of nannying for Pharaoh's daughter. But at about 30 years of age, the Bible says that Moses chose not to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter any longer. Why? Because a mama had put something into him at three and four and five years of age that when he got old enough, it came back. See, the Bible says little is much when God is in it. And so God has allowed you another chance. And, and here's a, a great thing in, in our lives sometimes is, is the reason sometimes that we go through failures and, and we find ourselves in messes is because when we come out of that, there's a difference in our life of how we approach people. I can remember years ago when I first started preaching for several years, uh, when people would tell me they were depressed, I, I'd just go, oh, just get over it. Are y'all all right? I mean, I, it just, it was like, come on, just depressed, give me a break, let's go, there's too much to do. And, and then, then in about this fifth or sixth year of pastoring, if, if, if you want to be depressed, anyway, I went through a severe depression for two or three months. And all of a sudden, when people would talk to me about depression, I understood. See, there's a difference in sympathy and empathy. 
Sympathy is looking at you and saying, oh, you poor baby, I hope you get better. Empathy is saying, I've been there. I know. See, the, the best person to minister to a person who has an addiction in their life is a person who has been addicted. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get addicted so you can have a better testimony. Don't be goofy. There's enough of us around here. The addictions can be handled. Well, I need to have a divorce, so I'll understand divorce people. We got that one covered. I mean, whatever the issue is, we've got it covered. Don't be looking for a way to use it. But when you have had that happen in your life, then your purpose can become to minister to somebody else out of what you have experienced already. The third thing, look in the 10th verse. It says, then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The third reason God gives you another chance is to show his character. Ever read the scripture where it says, God is love? You want to know who God is? Love. I don't understand God. Love. I need to know more God. Love. I mean, it really is. God is love. And, and here's the fun part about that. God doesn't just love nice Christians. God loves Buddhists. God loves Muslims. I don't care what the media says. God loves good heathens. Some of you know several. And God loves, God doesn't regiment his love just for a particular few. God just loves. And when you begin to understand the greatness of God's love, it will transform you because now all of a sudden you will say, wait a minute, I have to be a person who also loves. I mean, probably the first scripture most of us learned after Jesus wept, and we got that one because that was the easiest one. But the first scripture we learned was, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I get around some Christians, and I wonder if they've ever heard the word love. Because it's all about rules and structure and regulations, and bless God, I'm going to slap you with the word, and I'm going to cut you up. And yet God is a God of love. Why does he give us another chance? Why does he give us fourth and fifth and he just keeps on giving? Because he wants to demonstrate to a world who he really is. I don't know about you today, but I know in my life, I need that love. I haven't come to that place that I can live without it. Because there are so many aspects of my life that I look at and I go, that's messed up. 
don't come asking me for a list because I'm not telling you. But I got stuff, and I go, that's messed up. But God still loves my messed up stuff. Jonah's messed up in the third chapter. God still loves him. Jonah looks horrible. God still loves him. Jonah did wrong. God still loves him. Do, do you understand that? Do you really know today how much God loves you? He doesn't approve of your sin. He doesn't like it when you go blatantly against his word. And if you're his child, there are those discipline times where he'll put you in a whale of a mess. Bible says those he loves, he chastens. That word chastens means he disciplines. There are times in your life where he disciplines you because you have chosen to go your own way. But I want to tell you, he still loves you in the midst of discipline. So whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm experiencing in life, I have to come to that place of saying, you know what? I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. I have the assurance today of the love of God. When I need another chance, I'm going to have another chance. The scripture says it this way. The righteous falls seven times, but arises again. What does that mean? That means you just got to get up one more time, then you fall. How many ever times you fall, just get back up one more time? Pastor, what does the scripture mean when it talks about us being perfect as the Lord is perfect? That means you are striving for perfection. You are striving to live your life in every way that you can to please God. But the scripture also says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. I don't know about you today. but I have those times where I need another chance. And what I would say to some of you today as I close is that here's the news that God wants you to hear today. If you need another chance, he's the God who gives second chances.